0: Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. For more information about us, please visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. Amen. Would you welcome Adam? Thank you.
1: Good morning. Oh, it's great to be with you. Uh, it's so good to be at Oklahoma City Community Church. This is like home away from home. Uh, for Andrea and I. I love this church. I love seeing what God is doing here in you and through you. And I want you to know I do serve at a church in Tulsa, but I'm pretty much a member of this church, uh, not formally, but through the podcast. Uh, I know exactly what's being taught here because it feeds me each and every week. And uh, I'm just telling you like, Tim is my pastor, he's my friend and my brother, but uh, I benefit so much from the good work of the Holy Spirit in this church, and I'm so thankful. Um, as all pastors, public speakers do, there's something uh, quirky, you know, that, that we, we, we have these habits on stage. Tim has one, and I'm going to throw it out here to you right now. Um, he has a couple, and I'm just so glad if he says anything about me next week, I won't be here to hear it. But, um, you know, when he really gets going preaching, he does this thing, he goes, are you with me? which to to me I'm like yeah I'm I mean I'm not I'm on the podcast but I'm thinking you're hearing him say that and clearly you're with him physically um but I I listen to the podcast here most of the time when I'm at the gym and so I'm working out and then Tim and I and I and I'm following his preaching and then he goes and it's like in my head are you with me and I'm like yes I'm with you amen And, you know, I'm serious. Many times I I respond to you, and then I look around, and people are, you know, glaring at me. But um, I I just want to say I'm with you, Tim Manon. And I'm with Oklahoma City Community Church. And I'm telling you, I'm with things like this. Andrea and I were on the road in November listening to a sermon. I had it in the headphones. I was driving. I said, you got to hear this. Write it down for me. It was on my whiteboard. Uh, for like a month. It was a November 4th sermon. Tim said, there's a tension we create when we get on the wrong paths or wrong posture in our faith. We place our faith in Jesus and we try to control it instead of surrender to it. We try to make Jesus the object of our work and accomplishment instead of the object of our worship and gratitude. We compare our spirituality to others and we allow that to justify who we are and what we do. So yes, Andrea and I are with you, we're with you, Christy, we're with this church, we're with the vision, we're with the movement of prayer and the Holy Spirit here in this place. This is a city on a hill. Uh, Just this morning I had this thought, look, if you light yourself on fire, people are going to come watch you burn. I mean, really. And then while they're watching you burn, uh, that fire is going to catch. And that's what this church is doing. This is a city on a hill, and I'm just so proud and thrilled and privileged to be here today. As a church, this is week 380 in a seri- no, I'm uh, week 38 in a series called "Jesus Changed Everything about Everything." So turn to John chapter 14, and I'm going to attempt to answer this question or defend this statement that Jesus changes everything about everything. But, but first, like, why is Jesus the only way? If he changes all these things, why is He the only way? So kind of rewinding. And establishing that foundation that Jesus is the way. We learn at a very young age to ask the question, why? I mean, we've got these young, inquisitive minds that desire to have reason and explanation behind everything. So it's really adorable to watch parents when they have their first child, and the child becomes a toddler. And 1,492 times each and every day, that kid says, why, mom? Why? Or go do this, why? Why? Why, why, why? And then when the fourth kid comes along and that little kid's saying why," the mom's like, "Could you just please go away?" With the first kid <laughs> with the first kid, there's this, you know, really patient, elaborate detail in the answers, because you're, you just want your little toddler to know why. And then by kid four, yeah, it's, "Please don't talk to me. I'm tired of all the whys." Um, you know, there's a trump card as a parent. When our kids ask why, and you guys are already whispering it, because I said so, and I'm not going to lie, we have four kids. I love that answer. It feels so good sometimes to look at them and say, you're adorable and beautiful, and I love you, but I don't have to give you an explanation today. The answer is because I said so. Turn around and walk away. You with me? Oh, I just did it. I just said, are you with me? And they didn't even catch it. Oh like a disciple, because I said so, that is, that is the trump card when it comes to looking at our children and saying, you don't need explanation and you don't need reason. Jesus played the same trump card. Any moment in our faith life when we look at him and we're asking, why are you the way? The answer is because he said so. That's something we're going to see in the text today. But that's the trump card that Christ plays when we demand reason, a perfectly sufficient answer, because I said so. Let's look at the text anyway. The sermon could end right there. Why is Jesus the only way? Because he said so. Thanks for having us. We've been... Verse 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. Jesus is comforting his disciples. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and I will take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. So as we see so often, the disciples required further information and clarification to fully comprehend the meaning of Jesus' words. So he says, you know the place where I'm going. And Thomas pipes up, doesn't he? He goes, no. No, we don't actually know where you're going. What is the way? And here comes the great conclusive I am statement from Jesus. For all the I am claims in the gospel, the bread of life and the light of the world and the door and the vine and the good shepherd and the resurrection and the life, Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life and no one is going to ever experiencing the love and the redemption the salvation through the father except through me the only way. Now, I want to acknowledge that this passage right here John 14:6 can sound a little bit uncomfortable. It's a little bit perplexing in our ever increasing pluralistic society. And it can also feel a little bit exclusive. So if you are a follower of Christ and you ask a friend who is not a follower of Christ to go have a cup of coffee and you sit down and spirituality comes up and you say Jesus is the way and the truth and the life, what your friend can hear is you don't know the way. You're wrong. You're not in. And I just want to acknowledge this can feel a little bit exclusive. How in the world you know, any questions that I have, I can go to Google and I can get 10,000 answers and solutions. How in the world can the entire human dilemma depend on one person to be the way? And I think it's important for us to acknowledge right here that Jesus is not being exclusive in saying, I don't want you to try any other way. Jesus is saying, friends, no one else is coming for you. It's just me. No one else is on their way. That's why I am the way to the Father. God is the proactive initiator of love here. I mean, our love story with Him, He, he is uh, establishing that story. It's not about us, it's about Him. If God needed us, we should go find Him. But we need God, so God came and found us. We were the ones that were lost. And so Jesus said, "I'm willing to go and pay the price for their sin, so that they can know the way." Thank God that He's come. Christian apologist Ravi Zacharias offers this awesome definition of this rescue mission of Christ. He says, "The greatest ethic is love. Where love is a possibility, freedom has to be given. Where freedom is given, there's always possibility of sin." Where there is sin, our hearts rebelling against God, there is need for a Savior. Where there is a Savior, there is always the possibility of redemption. This, he says, is the gospel. Now, for some, the invitation to have faith, place your faith uh, in Christ, is simply too irrational and too unreasonable and maybe even too hard to believe, right? That's the big problem with grace. What are the strings here? There's no strings attached. That's the beauty of it. But still, it's difficult for some people. And without a supernatural experience, an encounter with the Holy Spirit, I can understand that. I can understand how some people struggle to simply place their faith in Jesus and in the evidence that we find in Scripture. Now, Jesus knew this too. He knew that some people would have difficulty believing. So, in verse 11, we see his tenderness and his patience emerging in this dialogue and in his tone. He says, believe me. He says, I'm the way and the truth and the life. You're not going to come to the Father except through me. Believe me when I say I am in the Father and the Father is in me. But if that's too difficult for you, if you're still warming up to the idea that I am in fact Jesus Christ, the way to the Father, your soul's redemption. If this is too hard, at least believe on the evidence. At least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. How tender of Jesus to make a conclusive statement, I'm the way, but if that's too hard, just believe in the evidence. Peter was physically standing next to Jesus one day, and the Messiah looks over and says, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And Peter confidently replies, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. But the difference between Peter and you and me is he had the luxury of being an eyewitness to the evidence that Jesus was talking about there in verse 11. He got to see it with his own eyes. And what he saw had him so convinced that Jesus was, in fact, in the Father and the Father in Jesus that he would be crucified in Rome for his loyalty to the gospel. The Bible is full of evidences, referring back to verse 11, where Jesus says, believe in the evidence. The Bible is full of evidences. You need a seminar in order to look at the hundreds of evidences that Christ is who he says he is. But we're just going to look at a couple this morning and see what we can do in the next hour and a half. Number one. (laughs) Number one, Jesus performed miracles. You know, we read the text and we just flip the pages. Yeah, I've read that before. No, no, no. Therein lies the evidence. As hostility grew around his claim to be God, he says to a group of unbelieving Jews one day, I love this, even though you do not believe in me, believe the evidence of the miracles so that you may learn and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. Here it is again. Believe in the miracles. He healed the sick and the blind and the deaf and he commanded the wind and the waves and he resurrected the dead. And people saw his miracles and they started to follow him. Some simply out of intrigue. Who is this guy and what is he up to? And as they were following him, they started to believe in him and place their faith in him. And so the chief priests and the Pharisees, they call a meeting of the Sanhedrin because in our family life or church life or workplaces, when we have conflict, what do we do? We call meetings. And so they have this meeting and they agree. Here is a man. I love this. Here is a man performing many miraculous signs. And they say, if we let him continue on, everyone is going to believe in him. Why do I share this as an evidence today? Because, friends, even the opposition of Jesus didn't deny his power. His opposition didn't deny his power. They acknowledge if he keeps on doing this, people are going to believe. Everybody's going to believe. So they launch a plan and a strategy to stop him. And they thought they could do so by killing him. Number two, Jesus lived a sinless life. He even challenged his enemies, saying, Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? Any of you, if you have seen sin in me, come forward and let's talk about it. John, Paul, and Peter, who were raised as children to understand the depravity of humanity, to know the law of the Old Testament, the necessity of sacrifice to make us right with God. These three even uh, said about the purity of Christ, he committed no sin. There was no deceit on his lips. Pilate, who sentenced Jesus to death, openly defended him. What evil has this man done? The Roman guard who assisted in killing Jesus says, surely he was the son of God. The criminal on the cross who hung there next to Christ cried out, this man has done nothing wrong to deserve this. He who had no sin became sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. He performed miracles. He lived a sinless life. Number three, Jesus died without a fight. He died without a fight. Isaiah 53, 7 says that he was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led uh, like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. For claiming to be God, he was lashed with a whip with metal and bone, fragmented ends, a crown of long thorns was beaten into his skull. He was forced to walk to his own execution outside of Jerusalem. They put him on a wooden cross, and they drove nails into his wrist and into his feet. And as he hung there, bleeding and, and, and struggling to breathe, he showed compassion and forgiveness to his killers. He laid down his life. everyone knew that Jesus said he would rise from the dead in three days, so they stationed a guard of trained Roman soldiers outside of the tomb, but Jesus didn't stay there. He didn't stay there. Okay, now we can go to the next part. Jesus defeated death, number four. His resurrection, listen to this, his resurrection is the supreme and most critical evidence that demonstrates his divinity. His resurrection. Five times in his life. Jesus predicted that he would die, predicted the exact way in which he would be killed, and that three days later after being buried that he would rise from the dead. Listen, if the early skeptic, if the early skeptic wanted to discredit Jesus' divinity, all they had to do was produce a body. That's it. Just produce a body. Some historians speculate that the disciples stole the body while the guards were sleeping. And I just want to say this is highly unlikely. One, because the disciples probably weren't smart enough to pull that off. But these were professionally trained Roman soldiers, and to fall asleep on the job, they would be sentenced to death. I mean, they had like first century Red Bull or something of the sorts. They were not going to fall asleep on the job, plus the disciples would be tortured and they would be killed. Tortured and killed, preaching that Jesus rose from the dead. This is their message, the resurrection, and they would all give their life for it. You know, most rational people don't die for something that is false or could even be remotely considered false, and yet throughout history, people are laying down their life for this message. Why Jesus is the way is a question that all of you here who are in Christ should be able to answer. Whether you're talking about Jesus with a friend or defending your faith, we've got to be able to confidently answer this question. The kingdom of darkness is waging war against precious souls all over the globe right this minute and providing false hope through good deeds and traditions, and mysticism, and religion, and prosperity, and enlightenment, and paths, and pillars, and nobility, and hopeful people, hopeful, precious people are walking into spiritual banks every single day trying to deposit fraudulent checks. And it's breaking my heart. For the human soul, there are no back doors, no artificial grace, no alternative routes, No backup plans. That is our message as Christ followers, that Jesus is our mediator. He is our advocate. He is exclusively and sufficiently the only way. It is not Jesus and. It is not Jesus plus. It is Jesus, period. And that is our message to the community. However, let me offer one bit of advice. Take it or leave it. Our Christian mission must be an affair of love before it is an affair of truth. I am not saying that Jesus Christ is not the truth or he's partially true. He is the truth. But if you start there, if you run around in your relationships and in your dialogue with someone who's not in Christ and you start with truth, truth polarizes, truth divides. And so while you have the truth and you wait with sensitivity to the Holy Spirit for the right time to convey that truth, you start with love. So Oklahoma City Community Church, you have the truth. Earn the right to share it by the way that you love. There are four fundamental questions that all of humanity wrestles with at some point. I'd beg to argue that all of us here have. And they are origin, where do I come from, meaning, what, what is the purpose of this thing called life, morality, you know, who, who am I really at the end of the day, and destiny, where am I going? I look around every single day and this thing called life is ending for people to my left and my right. You know, the death ratio is one-to-one when it comes to humanity. What is my destiny all about? Here's the deal. Jesus is, is deeply immersed in the answer to every one of those questions. He is immersed in the answer to our origin, our meaning, our morality, and our destiny. So why is Jesus the only way? I believe it's because Jesus is actually the why that our souls long for. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you that your spirit is within us and among us, even in those moments where we find ourselves wrestling. John 14, 6 can be difficult at times for some people. Jesus, I trust that if there's anyone here today who's in that place, that they would feel your nearness right now, that you would minister to their heart today. and for all of us who place our faith in Jesus. Father, I pray that it wouldn't be because of any other reason that that we're willing to die to self for this message, that we stake our whole lives on this. We say and we profess, especially in a culture that is declining around us each and every day, that you are the way you are the truth you are the life and we thank you for making a way for us to the father
0: i'm just gonna kind of lead us into this final response today from this message and so with your heads you just keep your heads bowed and Eyes closed, and we're just going to have a little bit of space to just listen and hear from the Lord. And I just want to say this, there's a, there's a couple ways to respond right now. I believe for some of us, um, God's reminding us um, that maybe we've been... We've been taking the truth to people more than our love to people. And we've been trying to fix people and we've been trying to get people to understand. And your mind is so wrapped up in helping this person get it. And maybe it's time for you to help them experience it. Experience his love. So right now i just want to encourage anybody in the room that maybe that hits right there like you're like yeah that was me i have a person i'm trying to help i'm trying to force them to get it would you just ask for the father's love in you to be given to them and then i would also say i think there's some in the room that are here today and You've been wrestling with the truth. Is Jesus the only way? Is Jesus really the truth? And so you've been wrestling with that maybe for a long, long time. And you've sort of said, well, he's my way, but it's okay, you know. And you've just sat in this space of of fogginess. And I'm not gonna tell you what the truth is because I think the word of God does that, but I'm gonna tell you this. I'm going to ask you if that's where you're at, and the truth has been foggy to you, and Jesus, you still wrestle if He's the only way. I just want you to say, Lord, right now I'm listening, and I'm just asking, Lord, for you to you to be the one to give me what I'm asking for today. No more doubts, but clarity. So I just want to give you just about a minute or 30 seconds to just sort of say lord i need love lord i need clarity lord i want to i want i want to fix my eyes on jesus today Just wait on him. I'm just thinking right now, I'm just listening to myself and I believe there's someone in the room that needs that needs to give their life to Jesus today and I just want you to do it I want you to just step into that and just ask him right now say Lord I want to give you my life I'm yours just go ahead and do it right now just say that to him he's here and he's listening We're gonna step into some worship now. We're just gonna sing. And so, as you feel led to stand, you can stand. If you wanna stay seated, you can. You wanna come and pray, our prayer team is here. We'll just have some time to kinda close this time, just directing again our attention to the Lord.
1: We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about, or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.